Chapter 7 of The Silver Bear This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Robert Doolan The Silver Bear by Edna Adelaide Brown What the Poster Said On Wednesday night, when Mr Merrill came home from the printing office, he found the children feeling quite sad. Timothy, the tiger-striped pussy, had been visiting Mrs. Ely and returned with a bleeding ear. Mrs. Ely was not a person, as one might suppose from her name, but a pretty little Maltese kitten belonging to the people next door. Timothy liked Mrs. Ely very much better than she liked him. "'I wish Timmy would stay at home,' said Dora, showing her father the injured ear. "'Or else visit a kind cat,' Lucy remarked dolefully. "'Just then, Uncle Dan came. "'All day long he had been nailing shingles on Mr Elliot's new barn, "'and he was tired and hot. "'Timothy hasn't much sense,' he said as he went into the house. "'If I called on a lady and she scratched me in the face, "'I'd know enough to go home.' "'Lucy looked more sober than ever.' She did not notice the slow smile creeping over her father's face as the kitchen door shut behind Dan. Dora laughed. After Uncle Dan had washed, changed his clothes and eaten his supper, he would probably go to call on Olive Gates. How funny to think of Olive scratching his face. Well, said Mr Merrill, who couldn't bear to see Lucy troubled, I guess Timmy isn't much hurt, and I've something nice to tell you two. You let me get cleaned up, and then we'll see. The night was so hot that Mrs. Merrill had planned a cold supper, sliced meat and a potato salad, with bread and butter and iced tea for the grown people. Dora and Lucy had their usual glasses of milk. On the side table stood saucers of strawberries and a plate of cookies. The little girls had hulled the berries, and there was to be a surprise about them. Father and Uncle Dan used a great deal of water, both hot and cold, but when they were ready for supper, both looked rested. Father had put on slippers and a thin coat, but Uncle Dan was quite dressed up in white trousers and white shoes. Without doubt, he was going to see Olive. When they had eaten the first part of supper, Lucy started to take away the plates and bring the strawberries. Now it was time for the surprise. Dora... Lucy and their mother exchanged a smile, and Dora slipped from her seat as though she was going to help Lucy with the plates. But she didn't. Instead, she slid softly out by the screen door and ran around the house. When Lucy had taken away the dishes and brushed up the crumbs, she put the berries and cookies on the table. Uncle Dan lifted his spoon. "'Oh, wait!' Lucy exclaimed, catching his arm and giggling outright. "'Wait for Dora.' "'Why, where is Dora?' asked Mr. Merrill, noticing her absence for the first time. "'She went on an errand,' said Mother Merrill. "'Here, Dan, take a cookie, but wait a minute for your berries.' Just then, Dora came flying back, carrying carefully a bowl of vanilla ice cream. There are advantages in living opposite a drugstore. "'This was the surprise, you see.' "'When will you tell us about the something nice?' Lucy asked when the last berry was eaten. "'You little girls help your mother what she wants, and then come out here in the yard and I'll tell you,' said Mr Merrill. 
It did not take long to do the dishes. Mrs. Merrill helped, and the gas stove heated the water so quickly. A gas stove is a great convenience. Lucy and Dora could remember summers before they had one and how much hotter the kitchen used to be. When the work was all done, they hurried out to their father. Now tell us, they demanded. Mother, you come too, said Mr. Merrill. We'll want you to pass judgment on this plan. Mrs. Merrill came, pulling the kitchen rocker after her. It was pleasant in the yard now that the sun was low and the shadows were beginning to grow long. This morning, began Mr. Merrill, a job of printing came in. Just some posters, but they seemed to me rather interesting. Bud Evans did the job, but I told him when he got it set up to pull me a proof, and I brought the proof home to show you children. A circus, said Lucy delightfully as her father drew from his pocket a folded blue piece of paper. Will you take us? Mr. Merrill smiled as he tossed her the poster. Lucy and Dora spread it out with impatient fingers. Westmore Village Improvement Society headed the poster in big letters, and directly underneath, in still larger type, were the words, Vacation School. A school in summer, said Lucy, not very well pleased. Dora had read a little further. Games instruction in sewing and making baskets, folk dancing. Dora lifted a flushed, eager face. Let's see, said Mrs. Merrill, reaching for the poster. It's the Village Improvement Society, said her husband. They've hired some teachers, and five mornings a week, from half past eight to eleven, there's to be an outdoor school for the children. The girls are to meet in the grove around the Lincoln School, and when it rains, they can go inside. The boys are to use the Emerson School Grounds across town. It looks to me like a plan where the children could have a nice, safe time and considerable fun. Fifty cents a week, said Mrs. Merrill, considering the poster. That's a dollar for two. For how long? Dan asked. He was looking down at Dora's wistful face as she sprawled on the grass beside him. Six weeks, said his sister. You get considerable for your money, said Mr. Merrill tentatively. Of course, I'd like them to go, John, but with everything costing so much... Mrs. Merrill stopped. Mother, couldn't we? begged Lucy. I'll pay for one of them, said Uncle Dan. Looks like too good a proposition to turn down. Dan, said his sister affectionately. That's like you, Dan, but if they go, I guess we can manage it. For answer, Dan drew half a dollar from his pocket and dropped it down Dora's neck. Fork out, John, he said to his brother-in-law. Laughing to himself, Mr. Merrill tossed Lucy another silver coin and was rewarded with hugs and squeals. Dora couldn't reach her half-dollar, since it was way down her spine, but she twisted over and shut a butterfly kiss into the palm of Uncle Dan's hand, hanging down beside his chair. Nobody saw her do it, and nobody knew it but Dan. Then she got up, shook the half-dollar the rest of the way, and hugged him hard, so the others would see that she was properly grateful. But she did not say much, only looked happy, and when Dora was especially happy, her eyes shone like blue stars. "'Guess I'll be going,' said Uncle Dan, looking at his watch. 
choir rehearsal tonight. Choir rehearsal, laughed Lucy. Sure thing, said Uncle Dan, closing the gate. Don't sit up for me, Molly. He's going to see Olive, said Lucy. Hush now, said Mr. Merrill. Perhaps he is, Lucy, but it's choir night too, and you mustn't tease your Uncle Dan. I didn't mean to tease him, said Lucy. Only he wouldn't put on his white trousers just to go to rehearsal. Dora said nothing. She knew more about Uncle Dan and Olive than anyone else. The past Easter, Uncle Dan, in doubt as to whether Olive would prefer daffodils or violets, had consulted Dora, and following her advice, chose the violets. Before long, Mr. Merrill went down the street to see how the beans were looking in Mr. Sharp's garden. Everybody who had planted beans was feeling worried about them, for a queer kind of spot was coming on their leaves. It was a new spot, and nobody knew just what to do about it. Bedtime was drawing near, but both little girls were anxious not to remind Mother of this fact. It could not be anything but hot in that upstairs west room. Mother, said Lucy after a long pause, have you thought yet? About what, child? asked Mrs. Merrill. Dear me, I ought to be sewing, and yet it's so hot I can't feel like lifting a needle. What was I to think about? The little silver things we found in your closet last Saturday? Ah, oh, said her mother. Well, yes, but there's not much to say. They were in the pocket of Dora's coat when she came to us. That's all. Lucy sat upright. Then they are Dora's? she exclaimed. Yes, I suppose so, assented her mother. I hope somebody might know something about them, but nobody ever did. Then... Why can't Dora have them? asked Lucy. Dora herself had not said one word, but her eyes were big and bright with excitement. Sometime, said Mrs. Merrill, they ought not to be lost. When she is big enough, she may have them, but only to keep. Oh, mayn't I have just the bear, begged Dora, to live with me, mother? To put on my silver chain like Alice's little medal? And couldn't Lucy have the pink heart? Mrs. Merrill did not answer at once. After all, she thought, why shouldn't the child enjoy the little bear? It really belongs to her. If I let you take it, she said at last, will you be contented not to wear it every day, but only with your good dresses and when I say you may? Dora had her arms about her neck, making all kinds of promises. And no teasing about it either, ended Mrs. Merrill. No teasing, agreed Dora, and the little pink heart for Lucy. Lucy may wear my coral string, said her mother. Lucy, you'll like that, won't you? Run and bring out the little ring, Dora. While Dora was gone, Mrs. Merrill spoke quickly to Lucy. I'd like you to wear the heart, and so would Dora, bless her. But you see, don't you, that ring with its little charms is about the only thing there is belonging to Dora before she came to us, and I wouldn't want anybody to say I let my own child take it. It might be lost, Lucy. If Dora loses the bear, well, she's done it herself, and I can't be blamed for it. But if you were to wear the heart and you lost it, that would be something we couldn't set right again. So you'll like my coral beads, I had when I was a little girl, won't you? 
Lucy liked the beads very much indeed. She was entirely satisfied to wear them and thought them just as pretty as the pink heart. When Dora brought the ring, Mrs. Merrill carefully took off the tiny green-eyed bear and slid it on Dora's silver chain. I'll put the rest under lock and key, she said. Now when Dora wears the bear, Lucy may have the string of coral. But remember, only when you are dressed up and going somewhere, and no teasing, or back they both go. End of chapter 7 Recording by Robert Doolan Board Game Basics Podcast